Hello and welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here. And I'm Brent Sanders. And we are two guys buying and building wonderful internet companies. Yes. And speaking of which, it is what, second week of 2022, and we closed our second business right before the new year, which was pretty awesome, pretty awesome feeling. Yes. Yeah. Sorry for the delay. We haven't recorded an episode in a while. I was away from my microphone and we've been pretty busy working on two deals. And I, I, we made this rule of not talking about live deals. So it's hard to record a podcast when like, all you're doing day to day, you really don't want to be talking about. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. We were talking about, it, it was just going pretty quickly and it was taking up a lot of time and, and having a couple of spinning plates in the air. It's hard to come up with other topics to spend time on to like research or even think about, but that's the beauty of podcasts. It's like, we're not on a schedule. Like we'd like to do it often. It's fun to do on a weekly basis, but it's when other stuff gets in the way, it's good to, it's always there to come back to. Yes. Yeah. So talking about this new deal, we're not going to disclose the name, which we'll, do, we'll talk about why at the end of the episode to begin where we found this one. I, so I'm always talking to folks about trying to build up deal flow. And someone reached out to me about being a debt provider on deals for SaaS deals specifically. And this is a really nice offer because it's in this bigger than SBA loans, but like smaller than traditional loans. So we're in this weird spot of it's too much money for us to use our own cash, but we'd like to do some bigger deals. And so they reached out and they actually sent me this company through a broker. And so that kind of kicked off the discussion. And this was our first broker deal. So yeah. I, I guess, what was your experience with a broker deal, Brent? What'd you think? <laughs> it was, uh, it was interesting. I didn't love it. I think one of the things that I enjoy about this job is like meeting founders and getting to know them and communicating with them and understanding like their wants and needs and like crafting a deal that's going to be better than what's stock, so to speak, working out something that, that might be an exit that, I don't know, I want to be more like participating in, in crafting that deal. And the broker was very sanitary, but I guess that's I totally get it from the, the seller side. They didn't really have to deal with us or get on a call or like deal with the tire kickers. Cause I think it was on the market and other people had maybe made offers on it. I, I don't think it had gone into diligence with anybody. There was no LOI signed on it prior, but it sat on the market maybe longer than, I don't know, a couple weeks, which right now in the market for uh, B2B SaaS deals is, is quite a long time. But yeah, going through the process, there was a lot of regimented steps and a lot of like the responses we got is, oh, we just don't do that. It's like, oh, can you, first thing we do when we sign an LOI, throw me on the GitHub. Let's look at the code. Let's dig into the, the infrastructure. Oh, no, we can't do that. We're going to do a, a two-hour screen share, a multi-hour screen share. I was like, okay. And so in my mind, I'm like, uh, that's weird. That doesn't feel very transparent. And that's not really going with our best foot forward. But be because of this debt piece, there was like, there was a, it's just a lot to gain, right? So it's, I'll give it a shot. And so I complained and belly ached about it. And then I did it. And, and I got to say that the screen share was great because it was like, they managed to get all of the stakeholders, all the developers, at, le at least like the lead developer, lead DevOps person, the lead product manager on one call. And so every answer I got, a, every question I got an answer to right away, which was great. Dug into the code through that. And I, you have to use sort of the heuristics of what's a healthy code base, what's what was in place. And without getting into to much detail, I saw a lot of really good stuff where it's okay. I can't go line by line and go through everything that I'd want to see. I did definitely go through everything I needed to see. And I saw some good, some not so good, but acceptable, like acceptable risk around technology. And, um, yeah, so I, I kind of came around to it at the end. I was 
pretty, I was like, no, I don't like the vibes on this deal. I don't like, and when, when I say vibes and like just the sentiment and the broker was just very cold to us. So this is just how we're going to do it. And in my mind, I was one foot out the door. I was like, I, I really don't think this is going to happen. And because of the reasons it just felt uncomfortable. But once we did that multi-hour screen share and I asked, I was able to get access to a couple of things that I, you know, needed to see, um, able to make a pretty quick decision. And so we ended up saying, yep, giving the thumbs up there. And then I started getting excited about it. And we started to negotiate and the negotiation process, I feel like was super fast. Like they, that was the one thing I really appreciate is I, we were under a timeline because we wanted to get it done before the, the new year. So we so, didn't, the seller did. The seller right. was afraid of tax changes. So he's like, I want, so this has been on the market for a little bit. They had a pretty high asking price. And he was like, I want this done. December 31st, can you get it done? We're like, yeah, we have this financing in order. We can do it. And we made an offer and two other offers came in and negotiation happened over the weekend, uh, like Friday night, I think is when he called me to get like an offer clarified. So our offer was the lowest upfront amount, but a competitive a total amount. So we had a, more, a much more seller side financing than other folks did. And it was really weird because you're not negotiating with the seller. Like we, we talked to the seller once before, like the deal actually closed. And it was very brief, like a half hour or something like that. And even as, so you're talking about the technical diligence, even the financial diligence, the broker was really buttoned up and did really good financial diligence, but they wouldn't let me see the like primary sources. Like I wasn't <laughs> allowed to see the bank account read only like I normally ask or yeah. a Stripe account. I think maybe I just got exports for. So all that was like, you're trusting the broker a lot because you could definitely yeah. be faked out by some of this stuff, but maybe the dollar amount was not sufficient to really, you know, trap you in. I realistically, we weren't really on the hook for it. It was not our money that was, it was going up front. It was the debt source that was being pretty risky. And by the way, they brought the deal to us via the broker. So it was like there, there was some sense of, okay, there's a fair amount of debt going on here. You guys are have basically pre-approved this, which means that you trust the broker enough. So that gave me a little confidence, but yeah, it felt... By the way, the broker was really young. I'm just going to say it. Like he was really young, I think based on LinkedIn, but he had a, you know, a very you know reputable history and, and everything else. But it's, I have no track record with him. I have no track record with this firm. Like, it's not like an elaborate fraud scheme, but it could have been maybe. <laughs> I don't know. That That's where it was in my mind. I'm like, this could totally be, it crossed my mind more than one time that like we could just be like the pawns in some wire fraud fucking mess. It didn't inspire confidence. Even if the broker had an established history, it's like, have you ever seen, what was the, the movie, The Game with Michael Douglas? Where like they spin up, they spin, he, it's basically a, an experience for, for him, but they basically spin up a fake office and he goes mm -hmm. around from things to things. And he shows up at the office like three days later and it's empty and everything's gone. And it's like, oh my God, <laughs> I've been duped. <laughs> and so it's, I felt like that a little bit. So I, I definitely wouldn't feel like that again, doing business with this broker, but I, I also not sure I would do this again with a broker. I, I don't know. It's definitely, I know what to expect now. The, the upshot here though, I feel like the negotiation did go a lot smoother. There wasn't, and we, when we asked for things, we just said, we need this. And there was someone greasing the wheels a little bit, although it didn't seem like this was his top priority where it's like, we wanted to, once I decide, I want to do it. I'm like, let's do it. And let's get it done right away. And we weren't like getting responses for some things for four or six hours. And it's like, hey, we're coming up on the end of the year here. We want to, because in on our mind, we only had exclusivity until the end of the year. Yes. That was weird. I think 
that was the kind of strange thing that they were, they wouldn't do, ex, oh, we don't do exclusivity. It's what, what the, what's the point of the LOI if it can scoop, get scooped out from under us. So I get it. Like they're working on behalf of the, the seller. My favorite thing in the whole process was the $1,000 fee. That oh, they, yeah. they charged us. <laughs> I think that was the, definitely the point at which I think we were about ready to just be like, all right, forget it. This is weird. Like, so I, I don't know if it's like a token amount because it's $1,000 is, is less than 1% of the deal size. And to be fair, the broker fee here, I think they made like six figures. It was something close to six figures. So wow. they made a good amount of money because they, they're working on behalf of the seller. And then to like ding the buyer at $1,000 at like the <laughs> last minute where I, they kept drawing up the LOI and drawing up the documents. It's like, no, 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 no. I think we're going to drop the documents. We're the buyer. We have fair documents and everything. At the last minute, they're like, all right. And we need our thousand dollars added back in there. It's like, <laughs> we're going to spike the deal over this amount, which is such a tiny fraction of the total deal price. Yeah. But it was just like enough to be like, yeah, I think your response was like, we don't need your help. We don't need your <laughs> docs. We, we don't need the thousand. We can, we're going to take that out. We don't need any what did they call it? it? Was like an administrative fee or something or service charge? They're like Ticketmaster. Yeah, it was an administrative fee. And I was like, we don't need any administration. Like we have our own <laughs> lawyers. <laughs> We've done deals before, like the buyer or the seller needs administration. That's what you're doing. And that's who's compensating you. So yeah, it was really frustrating, but the whole process, like it did work and it did work out well in the end. It was just pretty bumpy. And we're all like trying to race because we have two weeks to complete the whole deal too, right yeah. around at New Year's. Yeah. But now it's closed and super happy with, that's the thing that I'm, I was very happy. So I started digging into now that we got access to everything and we got access to everything. The, the seller was super organized, had a, a one password account, which is I'm totally convert. Everything's going over to one password now. So every business we start, we've been using spreadsheets or whatever else, which is not great, but then we got an open channel to the seller and I got to know kind of him and his story around the business. And he seems like a really smart guy, really cool. Somebody I would definitely buy a business directly from again. So if I had to do it over, like, would I rather deal with him for sure? Mm -hmm. But would it go as fast? Probably not. Like it was nice to have somebody who was like on the hook to get this thing done a little bit. So maybe it was worth a thousand bucks on our end. It really <laughs> didn't matter. But now that the, the dust is settled and we're off and running, like super happy with the outcome. Yeah, it all worked out. I wish we were able to talk to the seller earlier because we were, I think, misinformed about a few things around the deal that got cleared up once we actually started talking to the seller. So all that stuff was pretty weird. You know, nothing yeah, bad was. came of it, but it was just like, if we could just talk to you earlier, we could have settled this better. And yeah, I would say almost everyone in this space is pretty cool. And they're doing the same thing we are, but it's been a yeah great relationship. Hopefully we could buy you know, something else off of them in the future. Would you ever start a brokerage? Um, you definitely could. And I know you, this is a thing that people do, especially search funders or something like you see a bunch of deals and you could pawn them off to other people and manage the relationship. I don't know if I would, I guess it would be easy to fall into that based on where we sit right now. Why do you ask? I'm just curious if we think that model, I don't know, we had on prior episodes, we talked about like standardizing the docs. We talked about how, do, how can you make this like a more transactional and easy to do thing. And I would say they made, they tried to get you in a, I think they tried giving us their attorneys too. They, if you need an attorney, we'll give you one. We'll even give you the purchase agreements. I took that as maybe that's like a malicious thing. They're trying to just get the, the best terms for them as possible. But could you position yourself as like a, an arbitrator, arbitrator of market terms and fairness? 
versus just trying to get the seller the best deal possible. I guess you probably wouldn't attract people who are really trying to maximize, which is really what a, a broker should be doing is like trying to maximize the, the sale price. And, but if you could just be like, Hey, we see all the deals, we know what market terms are, and we'll make sure that this sells in a fair and market oriented way, or like at least drive those terms. That might be interesting as, as an extension of the way of standardizing. It's just becoming a, a broker, but I could see like a micro acquire being that, Hey, we get the, the people together and then, Hey, we have a way to, to transact and close. It's what I'm thinking versus a brokerage. Microcryer is trying to do that. I, I wonder if you could ever do it fully. If you're the seller and you want the easiest experience possible, you need this intermediary to make a nice perspective, sell mm -hmm. your company in the best way possible, do a bunch of research. Microcryer is never going to spend that much time doing it. So it's always going to fall on like the seller's job. And I, a lot of these people are like pretty technical. They're not marketing folks. They're certainly not writers. They're not financial people. So you, like, there's always going to be a place for the broker. I don't know if we could do like a broker light where we just kind of dial <laughs> stuff up and they you know, do all straight market terms. There's yeah. definitely some possibility there. Yeah. It's interesting. But yeah, the deal's done. We're happy about it. Really excited spinning up. Part of what we're doing, we're doing a, like a 30 day transit because it moves so quickly. We just ask for, Hey, keep running the business for 30 days. You have your dev team, you have your support team, and it's given us a chance to spin up our own dev and support teams and they're working well together and transitioning over and then yeah start looking at the the product start talking to the customers and start doing some marketing yeah so do you want to talk about why we aren't saying the name of it sure yeah i'm i'll even throw it out there that we're doing this building in public thing but i just don't really see what the upside is necessarily if you want to email me and ask me and you seem like a sane person i'd be happy to tell you if you want to you know prove that you're a, a not a, a psycho or not somebody malicious, but I just don't really see what the upside is. Like what's, I, mean, I guess we'll probably end up putting it on our site in our portfolio anyways, but there's, I've said this to you, it's, I just don't really see what is the upside of, of every, after every deal we do, we push the name. Even if it, you have the best of intentions, it just doesn't seem like a, a great idea. I also think that from a tech perspective, it's not great for this business in particular, because there, there could be security issues, right? Like we don't really want to disclose that from a, just is, are we opening our, ourselves up to a vector of attack that we're not thinking of? So it's like, just better to be more buttoned up about it. Yeah. So I actually wrote a nice thread, like a Twitter thread of we bought this business. This is why we like it. This is what we don't, this is what we plan to improve. And then I was thinking about it. Do I want to disclose this in the morning that I wrote that was the same morning that Nick Huber, a sweaty startup on Twitter, kind of was getting you know canceled and attacked. So he says, he definitely plays the game on purpose where he says outlandish stuff. And I think he knows it's outlandish and it blows up. But this one that he said was not that outlandish that he hired 18 people or something like that in the Philippines that do work for $5 an hour and basically help his business run. And he said, he tries to hire in the US, it's really hard to hire right now. And these people are amazing. And that blew up on Reddit, which is like the most hateful group in the world, <laughs> all the Reddit users. <laughs> and so everyone just started attacking his employees, his businesses, leaving one-star reviews everywhere, trying everything they could do to hurt him. And then they started giving death threats to his family and his businesses and his employees. So that was like, oh, this is like the real downside of building in public. Like maybe we don't want to disclose the company we just bought. Yeah, I guess the, the idea is that if you're ethics or your like 
business practices aren't generally accepted by some group of people. And, and the thing to mention here, it's like, who knows who these people are, but in my se- my own mind, it's, it's, I go on Reddit. I like Reddit, but it, yeah, it's like <laughs> gamers. It's generally, you know, I'm almost 40 years old. Maybe I'm too old for it, but I, it's a wide range of ages, but I think it's, it's generally people who are super active on the internet. Like me, I spend at least eight hours a day near a computer or on a device of some sort. And it's, it's real easy to, to tweet. It's real easy to send hateful messages. It's real easy to do all those things. I, I don't really know like the context of any of this stuff, but I do know that like you can take anything and take it out of context and make it seem super evil. And what, what did, so he's just said, I've hired, was he saying I've fired a bunch of other people or that, that might be implicit in what he's saying? No, it was just that he's hiring non-Americans, basically, which I mean, if that's a crime, like literally every business everywhere is committing that crime of outsourcing right. and hiring people on the internet nowadays. So it was just, uh, I think it just blew up on one of the subreddits and had a lot of angry people justified or not. Uh, definitely not justified, I guess. But yeah. my issue with building in public is just like, you're giving people you know, opportunity for attack if you disclose too much information. And if you don't, then, you know, they don't really have the ability to attack you or your employees as easily. Yeah. Going back to building in public, but then there's also just like tweeting in general. I don't even see the upside. I keep my Twitter account light and stupid. Like it's, <laughs> it's I know you can make friends on Twitter and, and unbelievable access to people that you otherwise wouldn't, but I don't, I'm like old school on the internet from the sense of you have a, a handle or a screen name. And it's this idea that disclose it's here's who I am. Like even setting up the account initially, it's, I don't feel all that comfortable doing that. I don't want really IRL friends from the internet. Like I have internet friends and I have people that I know in, in real life. And what I talk about with them are, are vastly different. You can be incredibly hurtful and painful. And I've spent a lot of time on message boards in my early twenties, like in college. And again, when there was no, no one would put their full name as their handle. It's like a pseudonym or like a screen name. And I guess the, the down to that is that people can be you can still do that on Twitter. And so there's a group of people on Twitter that put their full name and their identity and talk about themselves. And, and then there's a bunch of people with fake accounts that threaten your fa- threaten to kill your family. And it's like hard to then bifurcate that. So what's a real statement? What's not? So it's, I'm just on the side. I'm going to stay on the, be a wall. I read it. And I would tell you like the more time I spend on Twitter, the unhappier I generally am. So I try to stay off of it <laughs> unless there's something really interesting. It generally makes me feel like I'm not doing something right. And so I stay away from it. So maybe Nick should do the same. <laughs> yeah, there's so many upsides to building in public, like the you know, serendipity vehicle, basically. You just have so many people that want to support you or could be beneficial connections. Like you, the upside is just so great. You don't actually know where it's going to go. So like for us in particular, maybe our next deal comes through there or likely to come through there or our next investor or many investors. So all that, like I'm going to keep building my presence, but I wonder if I'm just going to do it with no personal information. Like I'll never update my profile photo. I keep getting older, but my <laughs> look less and less like my profile photo. And it'll just be like my voice and my words and like nothing about my physical location or it's just my name that people know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot there that my my sense is go outside go do, go do that all that networking <laughs> go do if you want to go network go out i guess it's hard with covid but spend more time with people one on one the one thing that i do like about building public and you've really kicked off this podcast 
for me. I never did it before knowing you. The opportunity to meet people that you otherwise would, wouldn't like through the podcast, that is gold. That's really awesome. Like we had, uh, we've had a couple guests on and other, even other podcasts. That's all we would do is just give you an excuse to talk to people. So I dig that and cancel it over something stupid. I feel it's just, there's so much rage. So whatever, just be yourself, be authentic. And if people don't like it, fuck them. That's my take. The less you care, probably the better off you're going to be. That being said, when people are like threatening you, that becomes not so funny. Yes. It only takes one crazy person to create a real issue for you. That, that's why I don't like sharing personal information, but why network on the internet? Cause it's one to many. It's just a, like a magnet to people that are interested in what you're doing. And mm. one-to-one in person is, uh, doesn't scale as nicely. True. That makes sense. Anything else you want to talk? No, I can't think of anything else. We've been heads down on, on this deal. And I guess maybe a little retrospective. I think we should like high five on the podcast. I know we're in different locations, but like in looking back at 2021, we did two deals. We had never done any of this stuff before. Pretty awesome. Like in terms of, as I look back to where I was this time last year, we were starting businesses, but not buying them. And of the businesses that we started last year, none of them are around, or, you know, I should say the year before in 2020, none of them around. And now we have these businesses that are, are much more sticky. And I think the the key differentiator there is revenue. So yeah, I think I'm just, somebody asked, us, we were on a call yesterday with somebody and they're like, how did we get into this? And it's trying to trace that back. It was an aha moment of, wow, it's weird how things work out where you just get wind of an idea and then it takes hold. And, and I give you a ton of credit because I mean, you're out there finding the deals and I feel like it's been a great partnership and it's working well. Yeah. I wanted to do like a, a retrospective of you know 2021, but I didn't have my mic. So we kind of you know glossed over it, but it is awesome. There's a real pivot to never, I guess you bought a candle business before, but I had never bought a business before just like studying <laughs> up to like actually putting it into practice. And yeah. now we're off to the races. And yeah, it's been really fruitful and boy, it is nice to see these like Stripe emails come through all the time of this yeah. large amount is being deposited in your bank account versus yeah. <laughs> not having that a year ago or whatever. Yeah. Or that was like a, a rare occurrence. Now it's every single morning. I actually turned those off finally, which yeah. is a, a true sign of, <laughs> wow. Like I just trust that there's going to be some amount hitting each account and that's recurring revenue. And it's just before it was, yeah, it was like, oh my God, we got a customer on, on this. <laughs> we got someone to pay us. Oh my God. And now it's, yeah, it's, it's just old hat. Major change that I, I would totally celebrate and as we look at, we're working on a, a new deal. It's much bigger and really working hard on getting into this world. I see a pretty major change of like, you know, what, how, and what we're spending our time on. It's just not trying to build product features. It's more so putting the right people in place, which is where I'd like to be playing. It's not, it's funny. I think it was, I was telling somebody on a call, I got a new MacBook pro, the sweet MacBook pro, but it, it I can't really run all my software projects on it. Like I, Docker doesn't work great on it. And it's probably been the best thing though, for me to like leverage other people to be like, Hey, my inclination on a lot of things, when there's an issue on any of our products, it's like, let me just go push a fix. And that is how you get pulled back into the code and pulled back into the lower level. And I just feel like we're spending way more time now, at least it's only two weeks in the year, but just maybe the last 90 days, it's been way more strategic. And it feels like where I've been setting my goals and it feels like they're getting achieved, which is always a great feeling. Yeah. I, this is going to be a fun year. So we have a much larger deal that we're going to close. And then my kind of goal for the year, it sounds like yours as well, is just to scale things up. Like right now mm -hmm. we're both doing maybe too much hands-on work. And I, I want to start delegating more, bringing more people in 
and I talked about this after the ESW episode, but like putting systems in place. Yeah. So it's not just dependent on us to do stuff. Yeah. And by the way, the more I leverage other people, the more I realize I suck at what I do. Like I'm good at, I'm good enough at coding. I'm good enough at design. I'm good enough at these things to passable, but it's, oh, you like hire and pay professionals. That's their only focus. And this is how I am on everything. Going back to music, like I was never the best player, but I could also do other things. It was like uh, school, everything. I'm like a mile wide and inch deep. And so it's probably best for me to leverage other people because I'm just like so happy when I see commits or changes to products that we're doing. It's like, oh, that's way better than I would have done. It's like a very good sign. Yeah, I, I'm exactly the same way. That's very well put, but it'll be a good year. It'll be fun. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.